Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host, and that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. And thank you, everyone, for all the love and support you're showing us on social media and downloading our episodes. We're in over 38 countries now and uh, have over 28,000 downloads. So I appreciate all you guys doing that and getting the word out there. Today, we'll be interviewing Dana Berry of Kitchen of Dana in Cleveland, Georgia, actually the home of the Cabbage Patch Dolls, uh, just as a little side note. But Dana, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. And so Dana, tell me a little bit about the Kitchen of Dana and what products you guys produce. We produce a gourmet macaroni and cheese that's based on the southern flavors, I, I guess you would say, with macaroni and cheese. We just, um, we've, macaroni and cheese has been our only product for the past four, four and a half years, and we're just now introducing new casseroles. And so uh, what are some of those new casseroles you guys are introducing? We are through the testing phase with a pineapple, uh, broccoli, corn, and sweet potato souffle, and we've got about four or five others that we're playing around with. Okay, so um, how did you, uh, tell me a little bit about your history and your background and how you got to where you are now in launching your own company. We, my husband and I, we have a plumbing and millwright business that we started in 02. We had gotten to the point with that, that I was, we had a wonderful team built and I was spending less and less time and had time on my hands and decided I needed an accomplishment myself. And I had that signature dish that everybody expected me to bring to every gathering and, and heard all the time, oh, you need to sell this. And one day I got a little whim and said, okay, I can do that. And that's where it started. Uh, that's amazing. So, um, you're, but I mean, so your husband and you were entrepreneurs before, um, and started your own entrepreneur businesses. Do you guys come from a family of entrepreneurs? Yes. So yes. tell me a little um, bit about that. I mean, um, who else in your family his, have been entrepreneurial? His, uh, side of the family, um, his dad, was um owned his own plumbing business and um that's you know where my husband he grew up with that and then on my side you know i had aunts and uncles that you know were in the construction industry or you know they were farmers or you know just a broad array of you know the different fields that they they went in so it was not foreign for me to, you know, be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I love that, actually. And just on a side note, um, and I'll tell you a little story, is between my freshman year and sophomore year of college, as well as um, two winter breaks, I actually worked for a plumber. Uh, my father thought I needed a <laughs> skill, and I grew up on a farm, a horse farm. 
and I had historically been even entrepreneurial as a kid and running fruit stands and and running lawn mowing and field mowing businesses and and any way I could make money I was figuring out as a kid but he thought I needed a lesson in working some for someone else in a in a mm-hmm. skilled area that I could carry throughout my life so he he literally got me this job as a plumber and told me I was going to take it uh and I was like okay well I've got all these other things going and he's like well you can have friends mow the lawns and do the fields and you'll learn what it's like to manage your businesses and be working at full time but plumbing is a very um awesome skill I learned a lot I don't particularly enjoy septic tanks but um the rest <laughs> of it I mean learning how to do the plumbing and dealing with issues and problem solving and it's it's a great skill and you need a lot of knowledge and and things on codes and things like that so I think that's just awesome but I definitely um really appreciate my years as a plumber for sure because it taught me a lot about dealing with people and business and customer service and you know it's their house sometimes that's flooding and they have an issue and they need help or have a you know a leak and there's just so much there and unfortunately or fortunately uh, water can cause a lot of damage and but fortunately there are people like Mm -hmm. plumbers like you guys that um, and your husband that can fix that problem pretty quickly. So it taught yes, me a lot. Yes, well, he is most definitely. He is, uh, he's more specialized in the poultry industry, going into the processing facilities. And um, he um, uh, he doesn't do any residential. So when, you know, being in the food industry, you know, that um, he decided, like you said, that it's, you know, dealing with septic systems and, and things like that, that he did not want to stay in that, that branch of plumbing. So he kind of, um, you know, stepped it up a notch and, um, you know, went, went into a specialty field. I totally understand that. And the chickens aren't around long enough to complain about his work, so... Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Dana, tell me, you know, tell me about your, when did you actually launch your business? I was, I got my product on the shelf in November of 2014. Oh, wow. So it's been five years. Yes. And, but it took me a year of research before I actually pulled the trigger and said, okay, this is what I want to do. Because I wanted to make sure that um, to get myself educated with the FDA guidelines and and the state of Georgia, the food processing safety, and to make sure that, you know, I did not go into it uneducated. Because I, Lord knows I, I would, be devastated if our process caused someone to get sick. Mm -hmm. So just researching, you know, good processing habits and, um, you know, and mainly my recipe. The recipe took me a while because I'm a dump cook. And it took me a while to fine-tune it and also to get to where it would freeze well. Because that's all we deal with is frozen food. And 
and to get it to that state to where you you assemble, freeze it, and then cook to make sure that whenever it gets to the final consumer, the family, that our 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 mission has been completed. To where all they're doing is taking the lid off, popping it in the oven. They're doing their their everyday family chores or whatever, and then they get to sit down at the table and enjoy a good meal. Yeah, I think so. it's um, it's amazing. And one of the things that you touched upon that I think is is awesome is unless you're in food, you don't realize the amount of work you have to do to stay within food code. And obviously it's for good reason because like you said, you don't want anyone to get sick. But it is a lot of education um, on a regular basis. And it's also updating that information as you go along because food codes change and things like that. So... Do you produce the food yourself or do you use a co-packer? Yes. No, we do. We create every item ourselves. Oh, wow. So um, just so the audience knows, where can they find your product and, and how would they be able to try it? We, um, we're in about in specialty grocers and meat markets. We're in a handful of Ingalls here in Georgia. Um, and we also ship. We have the capabilities now to ship uh, through FedEx. That's amazing. So you you can ship frozen items. Is there a minimum order? No, no. That that was once we were able to uh, negotiate with FedEx. We are able. That's mainly what we do is ship residential. Oh, that's so awesome. There, there's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about that. We, we just launched that about six months ago. And so uh, what's your website uh, so people can find you and order your product? Our website is kitchenofdana.com. Okay, and I want to make sure everyone knows that that's D-A-N-A, just so they know the spelling, Kitchen of Dana. But I love the whole FedEx thing. So I'm going to take us down a little tangent because I know that probably wasn't easy to get to figure all that out. So will you tell us a little bit about how you figured all that out and worked out the details or was it simple? Because I think a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, how do I ship my product? I mean, obviously having it frozen helps tremendously, but will you tell us a little bit about that process? Yes. Um, basically, whenever I first started out with Kitchen Adena, that was the business model. I was only going to do e-com. Well, I figured out that I have to have volume in order to get good shipping rates. So that was five, five and a half years ago. Well, once I started doing the research, it did not work out well back then, and I, I reevaluated the business model and you know, went towards the retail food service. Well, since everything's getting so competitive with the shipping and a lot of the consumers are using that route, you know, there's a lot of online ordering and the FedEx and UPS, they're getting more competitive. So we were able to get our shipping rates with FedEx down for the consumer. We don't mark them up at all. But and we worked with the shipping cooler companies to get the, 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 you know, where we could ship a frozen product in two days. And that lowered our, our shipping costs as well. 
So it's basically getting you a good, uh, you know, whatever shipping company you go with, find your rep in that area, sit down, talk to them, and they're a world of knowledge. Our our FedEx reps have been have been over backwards to help accommodate us, especially starting out with low volume. I love this concept. And so obviously now it makes sense to expand your product line. Like you talked about, you've perfected one product, you've figured out how to ship it. Now it's time to, to add in more products. And um, just so the audience knows, we're talking about mac and cheese is basically your, your initial product. And could you describe that again for us? Uh, what's in it, you know, flavor profile. The macaroni and cheese is a little, is a different, uh, it's more of a casserole. Um, we don't create it by roux. We, it's milk, cream, and eggs, pasta and cheese, and some spices. And that's basically it. Um, it's more of a creamy uh, souffle. I wouldn't call it a souffle base. But it's it's more. It doesn't have the cheese sauce. It's more of a creamy, rich flavor. And we were excited about a year ago. We were able to find our cream that has no preservatives. So we're over time. We've we've we're getting it cleaner and cleaner. What I what my goal is. Every every product we come out with, I will happily serve it to my family. So if it meets my standard, then hopefully it'll meet the majority of everyone else's. I love that. And and so tell me, because I want to keep the audience intrigued, and when this episode releases, they'll, you know, I want, it'll maybe be time for some of these products to, to come out, and you'll be launching them, or I at least want to let them know exactly what to expect. So if they order mac and cheese they'll be able to order some other things and and get more bang for their buck if you will so tell me that in detail you know the other products that you're planning on launching or that you're working on i mean all of them may not make it to the final round i guess but you know what are they um our other products we've got a broccoli and cheese casserole it's and let me all of these are southern based recipes to where um that that's you know it's basically kind of what I grew up on um the broccoli and cheese casserole uh it's got a more of a cream sauce to it than um it doesn't have any rice or you know that type of base um and it's got mushrooms. And um, it's just a, a nice, it enhances the broccoli just tremendously. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, the green bean casserole is going to be just a traditional, you know, green bean casserole. It's not much you can change up on that. Um, the pineapple casserole, it's, um, you know, you would really just need to, it's, it's hard to explain the flavors because a lot of people, once you say casserole, they're like, oh, I'm not a casserole person. I don't care for casseroles. These casseroles are more on the lighter side to where the main ingredients we've tried to with the spices to enhance those flavors, not to cover it up to where, you know, so, hey, my kids will eat the broccoli. This 
with the spices that we've incorporated with the, the sauce that goes over the broccoli, it makes the broccoli just pop. So with flavor. And and with all of our casseroles, that's what we're trying to do. I, lo- I love the, the variety. And I, the broccoli is just casserole is just amazing and i grew up in maryland so not quite so southern but as i've spent more and more time in georgia i've come to enjoy all the different flavor profiles and everything that are offered for sure and you know georgia as a state i think is just some of the southern cooking and southern flavors are really coming into mainstream america and not only that are going to start to get an international appeal so i love what you're doing so you started it basically five years ago and you know you've you're where you are and six months ago is where you felt you had enough volume uh to go with fedex and now ship the product and so are you shipping outside of georgia yes yes we can ship anywhere um in the united states we haven't shipped to hawaii or alaska yet but uh, we've shipped to Oregon, um, you know, and of course in Georgia and down to Florida in our southeastern area. But um, it, it's it's been a slow go, you know, promoting. Um, you know, we've had a few little, you know, ups and downs and hills and valleys to cross with our shipping, you know, just a learning process. But, you know, we get a few orders here and there. Uh, you know, weekly, and um, but it, it's steadily growing as time goes on. It, it's just with us being a gourmet food product. Um, sometimes people are li- a little bit leery about spending the money on something that they're not one hundred percent sure if it's worth it or not. Yeah. Since our brand, our brand is getting more recognized, and you know, people see it and they're like, "Oh, I've heard of that," you know, or "I've tried it." then we've noticed a um, increase in our, our shipping sales. So the key key for us, and, and that's one thing whenever I started out, was I, I thought I was just, just going to go sell macaroni and cheese. You know, it's a good product. I know it's a good product. Well, I failed to realize that I was actually building a brand name. It didn't take me long to realize that, but I... I, that's where my, my first little hurdle was, you know, I had to, um, go, okay, I'm not just selling my macaroni and cheese. I'm selling kitchen of Dana brand. And I, I love that because number one, you are your brand, right? As an entrepreneur, but number two, you figured out a way to, um, to sort of, bring this American cooking and Southern American cooking Southeast in particular uh, out to them, to everyone and people are actually buying it, which I think is great. So I just, um, I'm amazed by it. So how do you market your product? How do you get out there and get it people to try? Cause you mentioned it's hard because you know, they're, they're buying it and they may not necessarily have tasted. So how do you, how do you go about marketing your product and, and getting it out to everyone for people to try? We stay active mainly on Facebook and Instagram. Um, where we go into a new area where we're actively doing tastings. 
you know, we're, we're doing t- two and three tastings a week at different customer locations. And that's the key to it. And word of mouth has been huge for us. And that's mainly where our growth has come, has just been word of mouth, the testimonies of, of everyone that has tried it, they buy it, they like it. Um, you know, they give it as gifts. Um, it's the, and that's another thing that we, another way that we promoted, you know, give the gift of food, you know, to the person who has everything. So it, it's, um, we've had, we try something, we don't see the results that we feel like we need, we, we go to something else. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, we just chalk it up as an experience and, and it just, it seems like it goes full circle whenever it doesn't work at this time. We're, you know, six months later or a year later, we can put into, put it into play again, add a few nether, you know, a few different aspects to it. And, and then it, it really works well for us. So it's what I figured out. Don't be afraid to try anything. Because what you think might be crazy or small, it ends up being huge for you. Uh, and I, I love that story um, and just taking the risk and willing to fail, but you never know amongst all of it what's going to be the most successful. And that's, you know, in a lesson I've learned with this podcast as well as some of the episodes that I'm like, hmm, I wonder. And, um, but the most successful episodes are often the ones that, you know, people are in their most raw form and and just tell their story. And as the podcast has gone along, I've figured out how to make sure that the episodes go in those successful way and ask the right questions. And it's the same, you know, as you've had your, your five years experience, that's what you're doing with your products as well. So, you know, if you could, you know, five years is, is a long time, but in entrepreneurial years, I feel like it's a short amount of time because success comes very long term because you're a tangible item that needs to be tasted by everyone. So what are some of the other hardships you've had starting your business and being an entrepreneur? Um, disappointment, um, rejection. <laughs> You know, you have to get thick-skinned quickly, especially starting a new brand, you know, and you've got to put yourself, you're going to other entrepreneurs. Well, you know, they might be, you know, 7, 10, 15 years in their journey. So you're asking a lot of them to take a chance on filling their shelf space with a product they don't know you. They don't know if you're in for it for the long haul, whether if you're going to be proactive, you know, and and build your brand name. So it, it's um, to get out there and, you know, you're asking a lot of other business owner, owners to take a chance on you to put it on their shelves. So, uh, you know, just a, a rejection initially, you know, I had a lot of that and it was like, okay. You know, they they give them a taste and they'll, they'll, uh, you know, they will come. (laughs) And that's, um, 
I've noticed over the, the past year, year and a half, it's a lot easier to walk into someone's business, their pride and joy, and they recognize our brand name. They recognize it and they're like, oh, yes, I'll, I've heard of this. You know, we leave them a sample. We come back a week or two later and they're willing to take a chance on us then. It's, it's just building that you can't get discouraged. And I don't know. I mean, we've had, I, I, I could talk all day about all the ups and downs, you know, just in the last five years of building this, but we've built off of those. And it's like, that's what I teach my kids. If you don't take the chance, that, that's where the failure comes. You know, you take the chance. It didn't work out the way you projected it to. You just tweak it and go a different direction. Yeah, and pivoting is such an important part of being an entrepreneur. I, You know, and I really love that you said it because so many times there's things we just have to go through and then learn our lessons and pivot the way we do things. And, and you know, often those lessons teach us how to be successful. It's just taking a lot of them, I would say, a lot of hard knocks to get there. And so mm-hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt, but it was just, you know, what you said is just so true from the entrepreneurial experience is that the hard knocks come. It's just the willingness and the open-mindedness to pivot. And I also think a huge part of it is being able to look at yourself, you know, and looking at yourself, being vulnerable enough with yourself and the people around you to say, hey, maybe I'm not doing it the best way. I need to do this better. Or there's probably another way to do it. And sometimes you can find it internally. But a lot of times, um, at least in my experience, I have to go talk to someone, a mentor or a friend or, or Deborah, and it's like, you know, I don't think this is going right. It's not going the way I want to. And, and this is what's happening. You know, how can we fix this? Or how can we do it better? And that vulnerability is just pretty incredible. So I didn't mean to interrupt you in the middle of the thing, but it was just such an important thing, I feel like you said, that it is part of the entrepreneurial experience is those moments of pivoting. Yes. And you have to surround yourself with a wonderful team because we would not be where we're at without my team that we have, you know, it's taken five years, but, you know, everyone that works with Kitchen of Dana has a key, key part in everything that we do because I wouldn't, I, I cannot do this on my own and I haven't done it on my own. I've had wonderful people that's been, you know, a, a part of it and helped build and they've got that that emotional stake in it too, because they believe in Kitchen of Dana also. So that that's one thing that I always tell everyone, you cannot do this by yourself. You have to build you a wonderful team. And, and that's what, and we're still building our team. As we grow, we, you know, we need more people to make sure that we ensure that customer service to make sure that we can add you know, those few extra batches on, you know, to a production day to make, you know, to make sure we have enough for demand. And so do you, did you build your own kitchen then? Yes. Yes. I started out my basement. I was able to get licensed and insured in our basement kitchen and um, we outgrew it. 
and I just moved into the new facility a couple of years ago. And that enabled us to really get out and start knocking on doors and saying, hey, we can keep up with demand now. We've got the facility to where we we have storage. We have, yeah, I went from two reach-in freezers to two walk-in 8 by 12 freezers. So that right there was huge for us. Well, that's and, that's um, amazing. Uh, taking on that venture is not easy. I mean, I, in our business, we build mass commissaries and do a lot of co-packaging and stuff. But building your own facility is no small undertaking, no matter how small or big it is. Yes, and it, it's not. We don't have any conveyor systems because you know, you know how how expensive that can be. Yeah. Even though we have contacts in the in the industry that we could do that, it's still it's just not there yet. And um, we, I feel like we've we've come up with a pretty good production. You know, we, we rock and roll in there. It, it's uh, we've got three three to four uh, part time employees that work on production, and and um, we just opened up a storefront. Uh, for our retail products, and um, in the state of Georgia, up under my, our license, we can sell casseroles with meat in it. We just can't wholesale. So we it's kind of expanding our product. You know, in expanding our product line, it gives us more play. You know, that maybe we can add some ham to this casserole and make it a breakfast casserole or. Or, um, you know, even adding bacon to the macaroni and cheese for a special that day. So we're, we're excited. It, it's a lot that's been going on over the last month at Kitchen Adana. And it, it's, it's, um, it's been exciting and tiring. And it's, it, it, but, you know, it's fulfilling. You've got that achievement. You've got, and you, you've got to keep yourself busy. If you if you slow down, you'll just stop, and I don't want to stop. Yeah, I, I I think that's so true, actually. And in, in in some of my own entrepreneurial adventures, is that when you stop, it's it's so hard to gain that momentum back again. Uh, in some cases, mm-hmm. and uh, so always moving forward and keeping, you know, even though you don't want to, just let your feet take you where it needs to go and keep moving forward and be inspired, which really brings me to my next question is what motivates you and inspires you every day? My family, my faith, my, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm blessed just with day to day and, um, we just take it day day to day and we just try to enjoy enjoy it as we go and it's um it's just kind of ingrained in you you know you 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 want every day full of whatever you can put into it and sometimes it's fuller than what you what you really planned on and sometimes it just kind of goes as planned and you just never know what each day is going to hold. Yeah. And, and and that, that motiva- motivates you. 
And I love the... Like the, a kid in a candy store. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I'm glad you said that. And that's exactly it. When you enjoy what you're doing, it makes life so much better. Unfortunately, it makes time fly by so fast sometimes uh, when you're really enjoying mm-hmm. it. And But, I, you know, the gratitude, I think, is just such a huge part of what you said. You know, grateful to God, grateful to the life you have thankful for all the blessings you have in your life. And that gratitude goes such a long way. And, you know, just talking to you and and really only meeting you via, you know, the podcast interview, you know, what, 45 minutes ago, you know, I can already tell, you know, the gratitude that you have, the appreciation that you have, and just, you know, and all that love you have for the life around you and, and God and all those things that really go into your food. And the reason, you know, or one of the reasons I should say you've had the success you have is because of that gratitude and being thankful. And, you know, the attitude which we talked about was pivoting. And, you know, being able to pivot also knows that things don't happen to you. They happen for you you know, and, and learning from them and, and being able to see it that way, that there's a lesson that needs to be learned or we can do something better. So I really enjoy that you said that for sure. And and we're so vulnerable. And which brings me to my next question is how many employees do you have? We have five part-time employees and one full-time. And, and that's amazing. It, um, I am blessed to have found people that, you know, because it's hard to tell someone, well, it's going to start out part time. You might get six hours a day because you're, you're, you're playing with someone's livelihood. So whenever you sit there and, and whenever you're looking for more help, you need more help, but. It's also based on demand. You've got to make sure that you've got enough work to to keep everyone busy, especially whenever that's what you agree on. And, yeah, I, I've been blessed to where I've found people that are versatile that if they only need to work three days a week, then they're they're okay with that. You know, that I'm not having to obligate myself to 40 hours a week because, as an entrepreneur, you know it's not only your family but you that depend on you, but it's everyone else's that's on your payroll that you have to take into consideration. And that, with growth, can get a little... It can be stressful because you, you can't hire people on unless you've got the volume, and you can't get the volume unless you've got the help. So it's, it's catch-22 situation that you're in and i've just been blessed that people have been put into my life to where they're they're able to help grow with me that they're in a situation in their life that enables that and i think it's so important what you said also because we juggle that as entrepreneurs or any growing businesses what comes first the employee or the business and mm-hmm. and because you often need the employee to get the business, but you also need the business to justify paying the employee. And so there's this whole thing that goes on, like you said, a catch-22. 
which how do you, you know, how do you manage that and, and how do you navigate it? And I think that's awesome. But the other part I want to talk about is, I mean, you're out there creating jobs and, and giving people a livelihood, which is one of the greatest things we do. And people don't realize how much actually small businesses create jobs because we do it in small pieces as small businesses or small to medium sized businesses where a large business may come into town and create 300 jobs. But the reality is, is all the small businesses in town create a lot more than those 300 jobs and, and, and mm-hmm. create sub jobs and, and support systems and support jobs. And, you know, you're supporting FedEx jobs by using FedEx to ship your products. And so, you know, there's things like that. So I think it's so cool what you're doing. And, and one of the things I love and reasons I do this podcast, because I love talking about entrepreneurs and helping people learn, but it's also because... There is so much people don't realize how much small businesses like yours, you know, and growing small businesses like yours contribute to the economy and contribute to jobs and taxes and, and all the things that, that keep things moving in this world. So I just wanted to make a note about mm-hmm. that for sure. But so here's my next question, since we're talking a little bit about motivation and inspiring is how do you motivate and inspire your employees? Uh, we work as a team. Everyone's, uh, you know, input is valued. You know, I ask questions. I want their, I want their opinions. I want their, their input on, because everyone has a different experience, you know, through their life. They've, they've experienced something different. And sometimes that experience, it cuts a lot of trial and error out because they've already seen it. They've experienced it. So just involvement, um, the little milestones that we, that we, that we get, you know, we always make a big deal out of that because it's huge for us. You know, in a larger business, there might be, ah, oh, that's just dropping a bucket. Well, to us, because we're a small growing business, it's huge. So, you know, just keeping everybody involved, that that team, you know, to make it everywhere, everyone understands that Kitchen of Dana is building because of our teamwork. There's no I in anything we do. It's always we. And, you know, just keeping, you know, and, and that's, and everybody's invested they they've got a part in it. They they have a part in the new products that we we produce because you know they've experienced you know their experiences as part of that product, and they enjoy good food also. <laughs> yeah, that helps for sure. <laughs> no, and I love that because I mean you're seeing it as one of the things that as and I would say it's a lesson in that I've had to learn in, in being an entrepreneur and and I saw it growing up, but you really I had to learn it a little hard in a harder way is that um that being part of a team, you know, it's just because you're the owner or or you're the entrepreneur doesn't mean that you're in charge always. It really means that the employees are there day to day. They have great ideas. They're living their life. And you're right. They have much different perspectives in life and experiences. And those 
perspective and experiences really matter. And the more input you have, you know, and it's not one person's input is always 100% accurate. It's just the taking all that input and, and, and sort of collecting it and finding, you know, a commonality around all of it and then and going with it. And often, you know, some of the greatest ideas, at least that I've had in, as an entrepreneur um, in our companies, I shouldn't say I've had, but the company has had has come from other people. And, and their experiences or things that they're learning or products that they grew up with. And it's just really cool to see employees flourish in a business and, you know, and, and have a place to grow in when a business is doing well and the happiness that we can bring them as entrepreneurs. And you're right, we're responsible for their families. You know, it's not, okay, it's not only paying my bills every day and keeping the lights on, but I've got, you know, five, six people or, you know, 300 people, depending on the size of your business, um, that mm-hmm. I'm responsible for, that they rely on me or our businesses and our clients to continue to get paid and continue to have a livelihood and, and give to their children and families and do the things they want to do in life. And, you know, people mm-hmm. don't, entrepreneurs um, and, and small business owners, um, we also build dreams. You know, we, you know, just like any employer does, it's, and people don't realize this. And, and we build dreams because we give people necessary means to go live the life that they want to live. If they don't want to be entrepreneurs because that's our dreams, they get to go live their dreams, the things that they want to do with their families because we have a way to help them provide in that. And I think, you know, that's amazing. And obviously the credit goes to them because they're the ones working hard and earning it. But, um, you know, entrepreneurs and being able to put people together and come up with ideas that give them those means. And that's what you're doing, your own success. I mean, so we're obviously seeing that, you know, we're seeing that with what you're doing and growing and you have your own facility, which is no small opinion because it takes so much to get there. You know, those first few years of building a business to get where you are, are so it's a lot of hard work, sleepless nights. Um, go on. Yes, and and like you had said, that sometimes as the business owner, we get distracted by the back end of it with, you know, all the expenses that comes along with operating a business and and payroll and and it's just always refreshing because you can you can get out of that whenever you're you're headed down that mindset you you go out and everyone else is you know focused on that new product or they've got an idea about a spice that might enhance that squash flavor or you know it takes your mind off of the 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 business aspect of it if you uh, if you allow yourself to you know go put Put it in someone else's hands, I guess you would say. You you have to walk away from the business stress of it and get back to the 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 base of it. The reason why you went into it is to stay with what you enjoy. That that part of it, the creation of it, the providing the good products for you know all those busy families out there, because that that's ultimately the reason why you're doing it. 
you know, and you want to keep that enjoyment going and, and keep it alive. And you've just got to take hold of, you know, some someone's excitement, even though it, it might seem so small to someone else. It's huge on our end because it might be the missing link, you know, to something. And that motivation for that day just skyrockets. You know, we we all walk out of there going, yeah, this has been a good day. <laughs> yeah, no, I know those days. And um, <laughs> and it's interesting because you have the great days too, which are uh, memorable, but you also have the bad days that are memorable as well. And it's just crazy, you know, if, without them, without the bad days, you you don't realize how good the good days are. So I think it's one of the things that, that are part of the blessings as an entrepreneur is that, you know, sometimes, and Deborah says this all the time, is you never know when you're having a good day. And, and sometimes the worst days are the things that lead to your most successful days later on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's awesome that that happens as entrepreneurs and that we get to live that experience. I mean, not many people get to feel that, you know, get to feel that blessing in life and get to, to feel, you know, I'll say it, feel God interacting in our life and blessing us in ways and and things that we think are hard are actually blessings and and gifts. And it's so great to hear you say that for sure. Um, So here's my next question, a little bit tougher question. What are the things you enjoy most about your business and being an entrepreneur? And what are the things you enjoy the least? Um... My enjoyment is the day to day. It's not cookie cutter. You, I mean, I ha- I start out every day with a schedule, you know, as far as what I have to accomplish that day. Sometimes the it gets pushed off to the next day. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, you never know. It's just like yesterday morning. We went to send our dr- delivery truck out, and the compressor went out on the reefer unit. Well, you can't deliver a frozen product if you don't have, you know, refrigeration. So that was a hurdle that kind of got put on my schedule yesterday to find someone that can fix that. And, you know, it, it just, um, you know, those, those, you never know what the day's going to hold. You just run with it, and, uh, you know, in that, we met some, uh, you know, some new people, some new contacts, and, uh, you know, they're small business owners just like us, and they're fixing our truck right now, and we'll have it back this afternoon. So, you never know where what your day's going to have in hold for you. You just kind of embrace it and, and go with it and, and find the best parts out of it, because if you dwell on the bad everything's going to be bad. Yeah, that's true. And I I decided a long time ago that I wanted to choose happiness. And sometimes it's hard. You got to look hard, you know, really yeah. hard in the situation to find it. But it, it's there and it's it makes life less stressful. It, it's just And I know that probably sounds corny or it sounds you know, maybe on the childish side, but I don't know. I just choose to find the good, the good parts, the good aspects of anything that comes my way that day. And I can't really say that I I dislike 
any part of my day to day. Um, I just look at it as a new challenge and go, okay, well, this is here for a reason. I'm going to figure this out and I know it's going to benefit me. If it doesn't benefit me today, it's going to benefit me in the long run. Yeah. So, and you know, just meeting new people, I mean, and hearing their stories. And, and I think that's a part of what's led us to open up the retail part. We've met, we just opened it on Friday and we've met a lot of new people. We've heard a lot of new stories and, you know, just about people's journeys in life and, and either it, it, you know, it makes you appreciate and really value, you know, the little things for you or, you know, it touches you in different ways. And I don't know, I'm just glad I'm on this ride. I mean, the journey's been great, you know, it's ups and downs the whole way and, and I'll still ride that roller coaster because I like going down the hills, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I know I'm always going to go up. So it, it's it, it's just your aspect, you know, just the way you look at life. Either you can embrace it and run with it and you can put that into your personal part of life and your business. And our personal part of life runs into business. You know, with both companies, um, you know, family comes first. You know, we all have it, and you know, we we've got wonderful teams in both businesses, and you you look forward to going to see everyone at work. Sometimes, not that you get along all the time, but the 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 good always outweighs the bad. I mean, it's, um, it's amazing. And I want to touch on that. And then, but first I want to just make a statement is that one of the things that I love that you just talked about is the, basically the emotional superhighway, which is where we want to be. You know, if we want to be happy and that's the way we wake up every day, every car that gets on our highway, whatever comes our way every day, that car you know, becomes happy because that's where our emotional superhighway is pointed. And when things are going bad or, or we're down, every car that seems to get on that highway, um, a, as an analogy, you know, whoever it is seems to be bad or, or, or and we can find negative in it or sadness or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and that emotional superhighway really, you know, leads us. And as entrepreneurs, I think you're 100% right. I mean, it's not only about the business. It's not only about making money. It's also about giving back to people and showing up happy and being happy to be at your job every day and, and dealing with things in positive ways and helping people grow. You know, that brings a successful environment because you're bringing such positivity and happiness into people's lives. You know, as entrepreneurs, it's, we don't only bring, you know, the financial means for people or jobs. It's also because we're so close to our businesses and we're emotional when we're happy, we can really and lead with happiness and joy and love for, for sure. And we really can make a difference in people's lives. And I think that's so amazing. And so my question is this, you talked a little bit about managing, you know, family and family being a part of it. And obviously when you start off as an entrepreneur and your business grows, every employee is part of your family. But how do you manage 
family time, time with your husband. You're both entrepreneurs, so obviously you're both running successful businesses. So how do you manage that with each other? Um, it took us a while to go, okay, this will wait till tomorrow. Got to move this to my schedule tomorrow or the next day. Um, it's just, just for example, we have a customer, they do, um, uh, flavor of Georgia, uh, little, uh, festival every year. Well, it just so happens my daughter's a junior this year in high school when her first prom. Well, I had to call them up and say, hey, I have a conflict. I'm not going to be able to make it this year. You know, my daughter, we're going to be doing our little prom, you know, nails and hair and getting ready for the big dance. And, you know, they completely understood. It's communication is key. And because everyone we deal with, they're, they're in the same boat we are. They have their families, they have, you know, their life away from work, and you've just got to sometimes swallow your pride and just say, I can't. I'm sorry, but I can't do this, but I will try to make it up to you in some other way. Yeah. And and communication, communication is key, you know, and like I said, you have to swallow that pride and just say, I'm sorry, but I can't, and because I've got to make time you know, I've got to make time for my family. And and that and that takes a little while because whenever you get on that, that train ride of, you know, accomplishment, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, time slips by so quickly. You know, a month will go by and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's already April. You know, it's, it's closing in on May now. And it, it gets away from you. And... And I'm world's worst about it. I, I get caught up and I have to just stop myself and go, okay, I've got to slow down. I've got to, you know, smell the roses. And, and, it, and it's hard to juggle. It's hard to, you know, you know, and to keep a strong marriage and a, a relationship and, you know, with, with your kids and, and husband, you've got to, you've got to keep your priorities straight and go, okay, this needs attention, just as much attention as my schedule I make out for myself every day that I'm doing for everybody else. So that's one thing with us that with our schedules and with him working, you know, in the specialized field that he does, he works a lot of weekends. So our family time is at supper every night, and that's kind of where Kitchen of Dana you know the concept of you know the frozen meals it it gives us that time that's our time monday through friday in the evenings we're sitting here at our supper table enjoying each other you know there's no electronics there's no tvs are off we're just everybody's kind you know giving their full attention to everyone who's sitting around that table and and that's that's what we try to do sometimes it does you know we can't we've got sports or you know something that comes along that we have to change it up a little bit but that's our goal monday through friday we sit down at the dinner table and you know we have a meal together and you know just kind of keep those values with the kids you know that you've got to take time every day for for your loved ones 
and whether if it's over a meal, then that's that's where it needs to be. So the balance, it's hard to balance, extremely hard to balance for an entrepreneur. And and we struggle with it, you know, on a daily basis, you know, to make sure that we stay on track with it. And I mean, I just, it's, and I agree with you. It's so hard to manage that time and communication is just so important because, you know, it's, it's crazy. What, as an entrepreneur, you, if, if you don't say no to some things or communicate that you can't do something, and I agree with you, telling them that you'll make it up in some way goes such a long way that you burn out and you miss moments in your life and, and miss time with your family and things like that, that, you know, you never realize you're going to have. And, and I often find that when I, when I say no, I get time with Deborah and my stepdaughters that I would never normally get. And such great memories come out of it that are worth more than, than any event or any, you know, amount of money that there is. And it's hugely important. Mm-hmm. And that, and I don't want the audience to get me wrong. There's still the drive every day to go make money because that's part of being an entrepreneur. But there's also the drive for happiness and there's the drive to bring happiness to other people. And I don't want to cause people harm, especially my loved ones, by by giving too much to the businesses that I have because there is giving a lot in the businesses as an entrepreneur, but giving too much often harms the people that are supporting you and care about you. So it's finding a balance there for sure. Mm-hmm. hmm And so... Dana, what are some of the goals that you have for the future for your business? I mean, five years in, you, you've had a lot of success. So what are some of the goals for your future? Our, our short-term goals right now are to continue on the path, you know, to build our customer base. Um, I have my oldest daughter. She's, she's joined the Kitchen of Dana team, and, and she's bringing in, you know, a lot of new, fresh ideas. Um, and plus that young energy that goes along with it. Um, and just to, just to continue on the, the business model that we're, we're on right now and, and, and just take it day by day. You know, ultimately it's growth. And, you know, all of our part-time employees, we're hoping they're going to be full-time, maybe hopefully by the end of the year. Um, yeah. You know, I try to, I have a tendency to set extremely high goals and then I set realistic goals. So, and if we make those realistic goals or exceed them, then then it's just icing on the cake. But I have um, a, a tendency with my goal setting that it's, um, I strive to, to go above and beyond, I guess. And um, our, our goals, they're basically the same as when, whenever, uh, you know, Kitchen of Dana was born. Uh, just slow, slow growth to where, you know, it's taken us five years to get our brand notoriety, to build the trust and to, our brand name kitchen of Dana and it would take one day to run it off. And I want to make sure that we ensure with our growth that we keep that trust with our brand name. 
And I just feel like that slow growth is, is the key. No, I agree with that 100%. And, um, and just taking time to pause and not rushing things and not forcing anything, you know, and we often as entrepreneurs get stressed out and try to force things or we need money now or we need to grow and we force things and it leads to overspending or hiring too many employees or whatever. And I think that's where the most of the mistakes are made, um, including mm-hmm. in, in my our own businesses that Deborah and I are involved in. And when you try to force something or you commit to something before you really have a, a solid commitment from the other parties or commitment to buy things or all that, you often end up in a position where you're spending too much money um, and going into negative profit and causing damages to your cash flow and all those things. So when that happens, Mm -hmm. you know, you you can't commit until you're 100% sure and you've done your due diligence and you've looked at every possible angle. And and I too do the same thing. I set very lofty goals. And then I actually have learned that my lofty goals are a vision board and my the goals for the company that everyone else needs to are smaller, more realistic goals, knowing that once mm-hmm. we achieve those goals, we'll set a new one. But the the there's two parts of that that are so important. One is setting realistic goals that are achievable. But two is, is then knowing that the win is a short-term win and that another realistic goal needs to be set right away for people to aim at so they don't get complacent. And, you know, that's that that's hard because you want to celebrate and I, I made it and all that. But and you want to make sure the employees know that they've been successful. But you also want to make sure that there's constant goals to keep that level of success. And it can't the goals can't be too easy because then they become pointless. But they've got to be hard enough where it takes effort and teamwork to get to them. So there's this balancing act you know again that happens and and i love that you talked about it because we haven't talked about quite um balancing that goal orient you know goal orientation um and striving for them in the way that we're talking about it now so i think it's great that you do that as a business dana for sure um and I, i can't even you know it's 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 great to hear hear it because you know as entrepreneurs, we read all the books or, or people read books and they see the entrepreneurs that have been great and, you know, the Steve Jobs and people that have made, you know, billions or millions of multiple millions of dollars. But there's this whole world of entrepreneurs that are doing it the right way, that are actually getting valuable lessons that are in the trenches with the employees, um, building their businesses and doing it in the way that you're doing it, which I think is so one healthy, not only for the business, but for, for you and your family, as well as the employees. And it takes mm-hmm. so much to get there. And it's a lot of lessons learned and an entrepreneurial background and, and willing to fail and be vulnerable and willing to admit your mistakes for sure. And so I think that's just incredible. So if you could go back, Dana, and tell yourself some things uh, that be... That, you know, I don't know if I would go back and tell myself anything because I wouldn't have the wisdom today if I wouldn't have experienced it 
every every aspect of it. Does that? No. It's, yeah. You've got to have those life experiences. It's just like being a teenager. You can be told and told, don't do that. This is going to happen, but you still have to do it yourself. And I think in business, it's the same same way. Of course, of course, you you have wonderful mentors that that you you're calling up and they're guiding you and you know help they help lead you. But there's a lot of lessons you have to learn on your own that that you you need to experience that because you know in ten years or fifteen years when some some occurrence happens, you're going to be able to use that experience and make that make everything okay. You know, to 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 be able to handle that situation. So, and and who knows? You know, if I if I went back to ch- and change, you know, changed anything, I might not have met that person <laughs> that has ended up being a, a wonderful customer and friend. You know, because I might have, you know, gone okay, I don't need to go down this road because this is going to happen. You know, something would have been lost. So I I don't know. I would really have to sit back and and think about that that question. (laughs) Right now, I I don't think I would go back and and change anything. You know, I mean, it would have made it a lot easier, but I would have missed something also. No, and I agree with that, and, and what memories won't be there anymore and, and all of that, I agree with that for sure, um, because it in in the way that, you know, people take the questions in different ways. One, if I could tell someone else what I've learned, what would it be? But the other part is exactly what you're saying, is if you didn't experience it, um, how would I learn the lessons that I already learned now? Because I do need to learn them in first person. And I, for sure, if I went back and told myself anything, I don't know if I'd necessarily believe it, even if it was for me, because I'm the same person <laughs> that has to learn from hard knocks. And as Deborah said, I can be quite stubborn sometimes. So stubborn, I just have to learn it for myself. And I think that's part of being an entrepreneur too. And that's where when I talk about open-mindedness and, and patience and, and self-reflection and all that and doing it, you know, I've learned to do that because of being stubborn, I think mostly, and just being critical of myself in some ways. But um, that's not without saying I don't have self-love. It's just more that, you know, you, you look at things and you learn from them and I really take it to heart and, and try to figure out how to do a better job or, or be a better person or learn from the things that happen. And you're exactly right. The people that come into your life, um, those are the blessings and the things we're grateful for, even when it's times of hardship, because those people you form a bond with, especially times of hardship. So mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible. So Dana, I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and I'd love to have you back on in, in, you know, eight to 10 months and, and continue to tell your story and see how your new products launch and, and see where the business goes. Um, but my last question is this, you you mentioned yeah. your daughter's becoming part of the, the kitchen of Dana team. 
Um, and so there's obviously a legacy there. And I would assume hopes that maybe one day she takes over the business. Um, how has that gone and, and how is that relationship going? I mean, now you're working with, with your daughter and as the son of my father and starting businesses with him, I, I know a little bit about that, but I really want to hear your, your reflection on it and opinion and, and, and see what her goals are and see what you think things are going to go from here. Um, she, she knows coming into the family business that we all basically have the same goal to be successful and to also allow, you know, our personal time as well. Whenever we're, we're at work with Kitchen of Dana, we're, we set our mother daughter relationship aside. We, you know, don't want to have that conflict of family with, with the other, the, with the rest of the team. Um, she's expected to do, um, you know, the, the production just as everyone else. Um, and, you know, basically I probably expect more out of her because she is my daughter. She, she knows me well, you know, probably one of the, knows me better than most of the people you know, at Kitchen of Dana, um, and anywhere. Um, you know, as, as a mother, yes, I would love for the legacy to live on, but, you know, you never know where this might take us. You know, I mean, one opportunity, you know, grows from another opportunity. So, Right now, we're, you know, on the same goal line. She has new um, ideas as far as, you know, starting a um, different types of registries for gift giving, you know, like a baby registry, a, a bridal registry to where those new brides and husbands and the new moms and dads have a stock freezer that they don't have to worry about, you know, providing for their family. Um, we've got a lot of things in play and, you know, as far as with her goals with Kitchen of Dana, I mean, she's, she's 100% or I'd say 150% in with watching Kitchen of Dana grow. I mean, she watched me right from the beginning. She was, you know, all three of my children and my husband, you know, watched me research you know, just read everything I could get my hands on for the first year before I even, uh, you know, decided to pull the trigger and go, okay, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, this is my goal. So wherever our path, you know, we don't know where, where our path is headed. We just, we've got to have the wisdom just to, to be able to take a different path if needed. So right now, you know, we're, we're growing, who's the best, you know, in 50 years or even, you know, 10 years. Um, you know, things happen in life that give you, you know, you got to sit down and just 
you know, rethink it and go in a completely new direction. I mean, it's happened to us. And and it, it makes you appreciate the small things. It makes you appreciate a lot of things that you just dismissed as, as not important. And you figure out that, oh, my gosh, that's some of the most important things in life. So no, I agree with that I've, 100%. I've just learned, yeah, no, I mean, I've just learned in life that it's, you set your goals and you trudge and you and you stick with them, but you you want to have the wisdom to to know when to say when. I I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did absolutely, and I think it's um and I think it's going to be great. And you know, one of the things is we do on this podcast, we do a part two, like I said, and and I want to tell the story, you know, a year from now or, you know, and get you back on eight to 10 months from now to, to do a part two. But I would love to actually have your daughter join us for part two and hear things from her perspective as well and tell that angle of it and hear her story of how things have gone as well. Because I think it's just, you know, it's not something we've done on this podcast yet is tell the story of the next generation of entrepreneurs coming up in the business. So, you know, if that's okay with you guys, I'd love to do that as well. And I'd really love to have you back on the show. I would, I would love to be on it again. And I have just, I thank you. You have, I mean, I was very nervous starting out and you're just, you've made everything just easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, know. we get to talk about you, which I love talking about you guys and your businesses. So it makes it so easy to ask questions. And I'm just naturally curious as an entrepreneur because we all live such a different entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's definitely, um, and that's one thing, getting out and talking to people. And, and I, you know, I know with Georgia Grown, um, that um, platform has been huge for us. Uh, just getting out there and and meeting people that are going through the same same problems that we are, and just hearing how they have dealt with it, you know, and and giving you a new light and going, oh wow, I didn't think I didn't think about that. So it, it's um, it's definitely I've really enjoyed this today. <laughs> yeah, and I think I've seen on your social media and I and or someone's that I've seen pictures of you with like Abby J's and she's a person we're trying to get lined up for this podcast as well and and been in communication with her, but there's like it seems to be like you have friends and people within the Georgia Grown network um that you guys, you know, talk and bond and I know I said it was my last question before, but you know, there's obviously that support system there. And it's just an amazing yes. thing that goes on in Georgia. I don't know of any other state, and I do business in, in all over the United States and in food and co-packaging and all of that, that there's any environment like that, what's going on in Georgia. I mean, it's incredible. And it's not just it, networking, it, and it's not just seminars, and it's not just let's have a conference. No, it's just natural relationships. It's just natural bonding mm -hmm. and confiding in one another. And, you know, I don't, it, it's kind of incredible because Georgia, in my opinion, is sort of this food underdog. 
and there's so much mm-hmm. so many things going on in food and agriculture in Georgia that and obviously while I'm there as an entrepreneur in a company because I can tell it's about to happen and I want to be involved in it and that's why I've been working there for four and a half years on a project there but it's incredible the relationship like that's a part that just brings out a whole new meaning to me and how you guys are being successful down there yes i i mean it is absolutely amazing how um and i i tell you the truth i i kind of took it for granted initially whenever we started out we are just now because i didn't think that we were a georgia grown candidate because we were not in agriculture but once I did a little bit more research and figured out, hey, we are Georgia grown. Um, just the, just everything they have to offer, you know, things that used to take me hours of research on, they've got at my fingertips. So just, and, you know, everyone's so helpful all the way through the, uh, Department of Ag, um, it's it's amazing, and I did not realize that I have um, um, business up in North Carolina, and there are several small batch companies up there that they're just amazed at the camaraderie down here in Georgia based on what they have to, you know, they don't have those outlets up there in, in North Carolina. They have outlets, but not like we do with the Georgia, Georgia Grown here in Georgia. Yeah, no, I, I, I keep telling people, I'm like, you have no idea what you're about to mess with because Georgia's, um, you know, it's been, I would say it's probably been going on about nine years by my estimates, maybe 11 years, but there's just been upswing in programs like Georgia Grown and there is this unity and camaraderie coming out of Georgia for each other. And while it's, there's competition, obviously with each other, there's also, and it's, it's in a healthy way. And everyone wants to see each other succeed and bring Georgia Grown to the forefront. And there is a momentum there that is just phenomenal. I mean, in everyone talks about, oh, there's other states that, you know, we have Colorado, whatever. I can't remember the name. That's obviously how important it is. Um, but it doesn't have the momentum and the power that you guys are having there. Uh, or California Grown or whatever their label is. But... Georgia Grown, one, it's just a great name. But two, it's just the amount of power behind it, the amount of you guys as small business owners that are promoting it and marketing it with your products. I mean, it's incredible. I can't tell you how many samples people have sent us to be on the podcast and I see the Georgia Grown label on their product. I mean, that's quite a bit. You know, it's quite a bit of people getting behind it and being supported through it. So, the momentum, it's just an amazing thing. And not only that, I feel like the food in Georgia, like over just the four and a half years, five years I've been there, the products are continuing to get better and and people are getting more innovative and, and adding, you know, like you're doing more products to their product lines that are getting better and better. And it's incredible food. It's incredible beverages. It's an incredible thing that is going on there. And with the agricultural resources you guys have also, it's just amazing. I'm like, it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen. And as a, as a group, I mean, and it's all done naturally 
in an entrepreneurial way and it's supported by the Department of Agriculture. But what has happened is all of you as entrepreneurs have created this healthy competitive environment, I want to say, but it's also friendship and helping one another and camaraderie. That is just not like anything I've ever seen as a business person. And I've been in networks and groups and memberships and buying groups and all of that. But what has happened naturally down there is so amazing. It really is. Um, and it I, is, and, it, and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It is a very exciting. And in, in groups like, you know, there's groups like Georgia Crafted, um, and I know her pretty well, but and other people that are just really starting to promote Georgia products throughout the world. You know, not only in the United States, but throughout the world and the Port of Savannah uh, being upgraded and stuff like that and, and products like yours that can be frozen. It's only a matter of time, I feel like, where we're going to be seeing Georgia. People are going to know where it is, and especially because it's going to be a food mecca, you know, and and things like they're doing in the the... Georgia's doing in Milledgeville, Georgia, which is the Georgia International Food Center that we're involved in. It's really that. It's taking Georgia products and pushing them internationally on the international market and helping entrepreneurs grow. And it's just such a beautiful thing that's going on there. And I don't know of any other state that's doing it. I honestly, you know, California's got a lot of support and they grow a lot of products, but, um, it's not the same. And Georgia's a smaller state by population, 10 million people, but I think it gives you guys maneuverability and entrepreneurism because of just farming and small business and small towns has created this entrepreneurial powerhouse amongst you guys. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And people can tell from the podcast, there's more Georgia companies on this podcast than anywhere else. And why I, you know, it's different for you guys. Like I can tell by the podcast and I, and I'm going to say this out loud and people are going to think I'm playing favorites, which probably is true. And just to be straightforward is that the compassion and the, the desire to give back and the desire to help other people and the desire to put yourselves out there and be on a podcast and the desire to get your products out there and, and be a part of something new and that entrepreneurial mindset is really an amazing thing. And it's leaps and bounds ahead of some of the other people in the other states that I'm talking to because they don't have the same type of support. You know, in I grew up playing soccer and I became better by playing on better teams with better people playing against better competition Mm -hmm. and what's that is exactly what's happening there and i know i'm off on a big tangent and i was supposed to end the episode like 20 minutes ago but it's the thing is is competition and camaraderie within that competition and within that environment creates better teams and it's really you have a group or a team of entrepreneurs down there a massive team and they are making each other better by leaps and bounds. And the rate that your businesses are growing down there, I mean, it's faster than any other business in any other states. I mean, you have your one-hit wonders or whatever you want to call it, and there are no overnight successes in other states, but there's nowhere near the volume of entrepreneurs in any other state that are growing as rapidly and finding the success and the support that you guys are having. You know, it's a 
It is. It's a private-public partnership in the most beautiful ways. You guys have free enterprise and freedom to do what you want, but you also have this massive support from the Georgia government to let you do that, but also give you enough resources to accelerate it. Exactly. I agree 100%. That it's, I am definitely glad I live in Georgia. I mean, it, and it's... Um, definitely you know like i said dealing with other businesses in you know our surrounding states in the southeastern section um we have as being georgia grown we have more resources at our fingertips than any other well dana i've really really enjoyed talking to you and this this episode's been really fun for me just so you know and i I've actually, I've loved every minute of it and I actually don't want it to end just so the audience knows because I <laughs> want to just keep talking because I love the conversation that's happening. So I'm definitely looking forward to doing a part two and we'll be in touch with you on that. But so the audience knows if you like what you're doing, obviously go find Kitchen of Dana on social media, go to her website, try her products, order her products. If you like the episode, obviously share it with your friends and family, share what, what she's doing, because I think as an entrepreneur, she's really doing everything great. And obviously there's hard knocks there to get where she is, but Dana, you've done an amazing job and, and I think the audience has, could have a lot to learn from it. So, and, and you never know when you're helping someone. So please pass on the episode. And if you, anyone in the audience is hearing this and wants to be on the episode, you can email me at justin at the food And you can find us on social media at Justin and the food entrepreneurs, both on Facebook and Instagram. And so please reach out, please give comments and feedbacks, and please pass it on. Thank you, everyone, for listening in, and have a great day.